All right, welcome everyone to the year that was dot dot dot. I'm your host, Aaron Maxson, along with um, my usual co-host, my brother Nate. Hello. Mr. Mark Brew. Howdy. And uh, for those of you that don't know, uh, on this show we discuss a calendar year of major professional wrestling on television. So we are discussing 1997, so obviously we are discussing WWF and WCW. Um, We're just going raw by raw, nitro by nitro, pay-per-view by pay-per-view, and pay-per-view is the topic tonight because we are discussing SummerSlam 1997 from East Rutherford's New Jersey. Um, The main event of this show is going to be The Undertaker versus Bret Hart for the WWF Championship, and Shawn Michaels is the special guest referee. And also on the line is not only The Undertaker's title, but Bret Hart's career in America. So if he loses, or actually he didn't say if he loses, he says if he doesn't win the belt tonight, he is going to no longer wrestle in the United States. And as a side note, do not ever go to West Rutherford, because West Rutherford, much like Inglewood, is always up to no good. Sorry, I just... Okay, okay. Um, So, unless you guys got anything else at the top of the show, we'll get right into it. Nope. Um, This event happened on August 3rd, 1997. The show opens uh, with the Star Spangled Banner playing and pans the crowd. I think I saw a little Archie Mitchell out there just enjoying it. Did he he have a drumstick in one hand? Yeah, it was a little bald kid. Look like, look like Bobby Hill. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but like I said, the the, the Star Spangled Banner plays, um, and then we get a SummerSlam hype video. Um, it's SummerSlam Heart and Soul, and it's brought to you by Stridex pads, like the stuff people would put on their face to supposedly – Eliminate acne. I don't know if it ever worked. I want to tell you something. In 1997, okay, so probably not 97. Let's say 95, because Stridex was a Stridex was a sponsor of SummerSlam for quite a few years, actually. In 1995, I was like a sophomore in high school, and I had acne, and I tried the Stridex because it was on the WWF, and they advertised it to me, <laughs> and all it did, all it did, was burn the shit out of my forehead. <laughs> Like, that's all it did. I was like, why am I doing this to myself? (laughs) Now you don't care about the acne. (laughs) Forgot about the acne, didn't you? We had you you put that battery acid on your forehead. It's like I could get the same effect by using 95% alcohol in a fucking yeah. napkin. Oh man, they were those those Stratix pads are potent as fuck. Oh yeah, you open it and take your fucking breath away. They're probably illegal now. I don't even know if they still make them. <laughs> it's like lawn darts and Stridex pads. You can't buy them. No, they just watered it down, and now they call it Noxzema. <laughs> <laughs> so apparently they did not work. I didn't have an acne problem, so I didn't have that to worry about. But um, the opening match is... Um, Triple H with China versus Mankind, and they are in a uh, they're in a steel cage match. They brought out Big Blue for this one. I don't know if we get Big Blue very many more times after this, but it's the Big Blue steel cage. Um, do you guys know the background of the Big Blue, like why it was invented? 
you ever hear why? I'm pr- I'm pretty sure I've heard it, but I don't know that I remember if that makes sense. Um, they Vince didn't have the wired mesh cage because all those guys are so fucking big that like a lot of them couldn't like climb it. You know what I mean? Like, like you think boss man right. were going to get on top of a wired mesh cage? I was going to say I thought it was something to that effect because I know the first time the big big blue cage was used was at WrestleMania two with Hogan and Bundy. So I figured it probably had something to do with that, but I couldn't remember the spe- specific reason. Yeah, you throw Bundy into a mesh cage, what's going to happen? You know what I mean? Yeah. Go through it. Well, we uh, know it wasn't because Foley couldn't uh, <laughs> climb it. We, we've seen him climb the, climb the hill in the cell. So. Yeah. But, uh, and then I didn't, I didn't think about it when I was a kid. The only other thing I didn't like about WWF cage, the thing I don't like about them now is the, is the climbing over the top and escaping. Like, I don't like that aspect of it. It's like, why would the baby face want to get out of the cage? The cage is supposed to be to keep people, keep the bad guy in, you know what I mean? Yeah. But it is what it is, whatever. I know they did it because they want, guys to lose or whatever but it is what it is it's just that's my complaint but I won't have very many complaints on this show that was just one thing I wanted to bring up <clears throat> but at the start of the match Mankind takes advantage um, they're telling a good story of Triple H and Mankind having different backgrounds and Triple H was this spoiled rich kid and now he's st- trapped in this cage with this maniac um, and Mankind ends up getting the mandible claw on Triple H, but China reaches through and chokes him um, with her belt. So China's already interfering, even though there's the cage. Um, then later on, Mankind tries to escape, and China um, is supposed to punch him in the balls, but doesn't hit his balls, but instead punches him in his in his big ass. <laughs> Accidentally punches Mick right in his right in his chocolate starfish, and then. Um, Triple H ends up superplexing Mankind off the top of the cage. Um, and Triple H, at this point, should have tried to escape. His character should have escaped, but he gets cocky and decides he wants to punish um, Mankind some more instead of escaping. And then um, um, later on, Triple H ends up doing the uh, doing the Andre the Giant, gets trapped in the ropes, and... Um, uh, mankind goes. Um, mankind goes to try to leave the cage, but China Terry Gordy's that fucker, and then tosses a chair to the ring. Um, he tries to pedigree Mankind on it, but he reverses it and um, ends up as China's like, like on the on the cage, like like yelling at Hunter. Um, he slingshots Triple H, which Triple H hits the cage wall and knocking China off, and then. Um, As the match is going on there, man, there's a lot of... I'm just going down the hits of this match. There's a lot more to it than this. But uh, Mankind ends up getting to the top of the cage and um, um, as he's at the top, um, he decides he's not going to climb out. He wants to uh, jump off the top of the cage and rips his shirt open, which is supposed to reveal a heart. But um, like a heart painted on his chest, but mankind sweated the heart away, so you don't even see it. 
And then uh, Mick jumps off, hits the elbow on uh, on Triple H, and then ends up climbing back over, and Mankind wins the match. And, of course, the top of the cage spot was a la Jimmy Snuka. Yes. It's the story yep. we were told before by yep. Mick about going to see Jimmy Snuka come off the top of the cage. Yeah, and they try to say the fans are chanting Superfly, but nobody's chanting Superfly. <laughs> They're cheering, but nobody's chanting it. And nobody like knew the dude loved things. Like I said, the heart melted away or whatever, so it just looked like he had a big spot on his chest, and he jumped off. And then as he's laying on the ground... Um, um, he's laying on the ground, and then the dude love music hits, and he starts bobbing his foot, and he gets up, and he's and he's dancing his dude love, and um, um, after the match, like I said, Foley's won. He's dancing like dude love, um, and then then says that Jimmy Snuka would be proud of Mick Foley, dude love. So and then, so he's trying to be Jimmy. He's trying to be Jimmy Snuka. So after the match, he did two eight balls and killed a woman. <laughs> All while the dude love music was playing. Yes. And he, he was, and the music was going, eh, 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 and she was going, ah, ah, ah. <laughs> so that was the story of that. Um, it's obviously not the end of Mankind and Triple H. Um, they'll be on again, off again for the rest of uh, Nick's career. But there it is. Um, it's Nate. It's the reverse. It might, like you say about Gold Dust and uh, Triple H. It's like the reverse of that. I don't. Yeah. I, I never hated watching these guys work with each other. Any 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 of the any of the major rivalries that he ever had, I never got bored with Mix. Mixed rivalries. Now he did some stuff in the interim that I thought, like sometimes would be boring or silly, and I won't, I'm not going to like dig into it too much. But like when, like later, like way later, when he's getting ready to wrap it up, and there's that during the fall of like what '99 when he's doing shit with Al Snow and Val Venus and all that. I mean that that stuff. But yeah, any of Mick's major rivalries, i.e. Austin, Triple H, Rock, or even in WCW with Sting or the Nasty Boys or whatever, you never got sick of Mick seeing him face his, his rivals. Yeah, and um, the Al Snow, Val Venus thing is kind of like when he feuded with Flair. I hate when they feud about a book. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, so they're feuding about a thing somebody wrote that was writing about it being fake. You know what right. I mean? Yeah. It's like, eh, I don't like that. Like when he feuded with Flair, he's like, you said I was a glorified stunt man and I, you never gave me my op. It's like, oh my God. I hate that. It is funny when Flair says, God knows he ate peanut butter sandwiches. Yeah, no, that's fine. <laughs> don't get me wrong. And like the match is great. Well, I shouldn't say great, but the match is entertaining and stuff. But I, I hate when rest when they have wrestling feuds over something that is breaking kayfabe. You know what I yeah. mean? Yep. It doesn't it doesn't work for me. <clears throat> um. So unless you guys got anything else on Mick and Hunter, um, we'll move on to uh, Todd Pettengill, um, bringing out uh, 
Jack McBriar from uh, 30 Rock. It's not really her. It's it's Christy Todd Whitman or whatever, but she looks like Jack McBriar from fucking 30 Rock. Look her up. You guys don't know who that is. Look her up. <laughs> but uh, she's out with uh, the Headbangers and Gorilla Monsoon. And she's got she's got high pants, like her pants yes. are really high. And she's got like she's rocking the Linda McMahon's. Yeah, she's got <laughs> man haircut. Um, and we make fun of her, cool, because she brought wrestling back to New Jersey. So um, I don't think it's wrong celebrating the lady that did the lit- like legislation or whatever to to bring it back. You know, mm-hmm. so I'll get that. Um, but obviously, wrestling fans booed her. They're like, "Boo!" Because like, who the fuck is this? <laughs> so that happened, and I just thought it was funny that it was Todd Pettengill, Gorilla Monsoon, and the Headbangers. Which I think they're from New Jersey. So I mean, I guess yeah, that's the reason funny. why. But she was like, "This is New Jersey's finest and shit." <laughs> it's just a funny collection of people. Um, and then we see uh, um, see out in the crowd, um, Tiger Jeet sang and his son Tiger Ali sang, and Tiger Ali sang is going to be coming to the WWF. And at first, he's going to be a face because they think it's going to work, and they're trying to get um, like, I think they're trying to build their. They're crowded India or whatever, but I think he is one of the most boring, underwhelming, just the only thing he ever did. The only thing he ever did in that entire company that was entertaining was when he said, who's Drew Curry? Yeah, was Drew Curry. <laughs> That's it. That's all. That's all. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Big popcorn fart. They thought it was he was going to be a big deal. But this is also 97. They're throwing whatever they can against the wall. Yeah, that was going to stick. That was uh, our generation's Veer Mahan. (laughs) (laughs) Only they actually debuted. Yeah, I was going to say. That's what's going to be my next thing. He's saying he's actually tried to do something with him. But yeah, it's just, it's no good. No good. Um, The next thing we get. Is um, Brian Pillman versus Gold Dust with Marlena in his corner, and if Brian Pillman loses, he must wear a, he must wear a dress, and um, on Raw the next night. Um, so that match is set up, um, and then during the match, hold on here. The thing, the thing that I didn't like though is the pre-graphic uh, to the match where they were like. Tomorrow night, Brian Pillman wears a dress. So they gave you the fucking ending already. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like they, they straight gave you the fucking ending already. I guess I didn't notice that. But yeah, it just um the uh, we'll get there eventually. I don't want to spoil anything, even though this is what 30 fucking years ago or whatever, but um um like I said, it's Brian Pillman versus Gold Dust with Marlena in the corner. If Pillman loses, he must wear a dress. Um, Pillman kisses, uh, or Gold Dust kisses Pillman early on and gets his paint all over his face. Um, and I believe it's Lawler that says that Pillman now looks like a baboon. Um, um, 
then Pillman ends up knocked out to the floor, um, and he Goldust tries to go after him on the floor, but Pillman obviously uses Marlena as a shield. And then later on, Marlena strikes Pillman with her purse, allowing Goldust to roll up Brian Pillman and get the one, two, three. So Brian Pillman is now lost, so he must now wrestle and drag on Monday Night Raw. And obviously the purse gimmick is the bricks. And so that's how that went. So it was pretty, pretty standard match, but went back to, I mean, it was, they, they kept it simple. They, they did the old school brick in the purse thing. Usually it's the heel doing it, but this time, you know, it was um, obviously the baby face doing it, but it, it, it worked, I think. And, yeah. and it did, and 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 we'll get in. We will, we will get into it later on in future shows. At this point, I am a fan of the Pillman Goldust feud. Yeah. As it goes on, I turn on it, but we'll get to that when we when we get to it. But yeah, at this point, it's entertaining. You know, the the heel has right. to, you know, the, the heel has to, to the heel has to eat the stipulation, and that you know that's that's a that's a good way to finish it off. Yeah. So. So I enjoyed it. Um, and everybody did their job good, so there's not really anything to complain about it. Like, they kept it short. They kept it short and to the point, and everybody wants to see the guy dress in drag. So everybody in this aspect went home happy. So, um, yeah, unless you guys got anything else on that. No, two great competitors doing what they did best. And I don't think I don't. I think sometimes Marlena doesn't get enough credit. I think she was a talented person as well. So, um, the next thing we got is um, it's a feud that like I like all the guys, but just never really did anything for me. And it's the the Legion of Doom versus the Godwins. I understand that like. They had a feud because they broke uh, Henry's neck on accident or whatever, so the the Godwins had a grudge. But it's just like to me, these teams never they never meshed. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I don't like watching the Road Warriors fight teams that are e- either bigger or the same size as them. You know what I mean? It like, kind of yeah. their whatever does that make sense yeah you can you can like you can like you can like um uh just as and i'm not saying i'm not comparing the talent of the guys but you can like you can like andre the giant and you can like big john stud but buddy when they're in the ring together it's ugly (laughs) i mean for one andre and like stud right no i'm just i'm just i was just using them as an example of guys that are too similar in the ring you know, a monster versus a monster. I don't know. Yeah, it's, it'd be like putting Mabel and Bastion Booger in the same match. Or what, yeah, or when they had a match, they actually had a match between Mabel and Yokozuna. Christ Almighty! <laughs> yeah, who's gonna do what in this thing? Like, <laughs> I don't want to see this. But um, it starts as a brawl. Obviously, Hulk does actually hit a good-looking clothesline. From the ring to the floor on uh, Phineas, um, LOD super over with the crowd, um, and LOD ends up spike pile driving um, Henry Godwin, and they win via pinfall. 
I mean, there's nothing. I, I don't have anything to report of the match because it was just four big lugs that, like I said, are all talented guys, but they're just nobody's going to, I don't want to say it like, <laughs> like it's not like LOD's fighting the Midnight Express. You know what I mean? Like nobody's, nobody looks at the disadvantage because they're all big, jacked up, giant fucking dudes. Yeah. It just doesn't work. Oh, you guys got anything else on that? Nope, I'm in agreement. Okay, I'm glad you're in agreement. <laughs> um, the next thing we get is not a wrestling in-ring segment. It is the uh, payoff to the SummerSlam super ripoff situation, a million-dollar ripoff. And it's going to be um, the two contest winners. The one kid that said, thanks, Vince. And then they hung up on him. <laughs> and some little bald guy who says he's he, he shaved his head to look like Steve Austin. And he looks more like Dale Gribble. <laughs> Gilbert. <laughs> you know, I was going to say, he looks more like Justin Credible looks now. <laughs> All messed out and useless. But anyway, um, the gist of it is there's there's supposed supposedly a million dollars in this casket and they got to pick a key and if their key turns the lock um they'll win the they'll win the money inside so um one goes before the other so i don't know what that would have meant like it's like well now you won but this kid went first and so now you don't you know what i mean like mm-hmm. you, but whatever. I didn't get it because uh, they called those fucking people and let let their key be the first ones. Like you got these people here already, jackass. <laughs> I don't know what was going on. Like doesn't make any sense. Um but Todd does a really good job here. Um um because there's like points where the phone doesn't ring. Like Todd was actually good at that stuff, but that's also because he was a radio guy, you know, like that was just this thing. And um, like I said, Sable's out there and she looks, she looks all right. But um, Sonny is wearing one of the greatest outfits in the history of professional wrestling. <laughs> and a lot it of is, baby oil. Yes. And it is fucking amazing. <laughs> and she's got like body glitter on. It's like, what the hell is happening? <laughs> like, like, like she's holding the paper and Todd's like lower. <laughs> I absolutely and there's two things, two observations here. First, I absolutely positively never understood. And I guess it's just because Sable's appearance isn't an appearance that appeals to me, but I never understood how the uh, t- the higher ups of the WWF looked at Sonny and looked at Sable and said, Sable's the one we really want to push. Sunny is so much more fucking hot and beautiful than Sable is in every aspect. That's the type of chick, but that's the type of chick Vince likes. Yeah. But, and then the he other thing it. is you said about Pettengill. Pettengill and Sunny always had really good chemistry. Like yeah. you could tell you could tell they liked each other a lot. Yeah. Um you know what I honestly think it is? I think it was, he was probably one of the on screen people 
and this might sound out of left field, I don't know, but it might have been one of the on-screen people that had no, like, agenda with Sunny. Yeah, he's never trying to scoop her heat, never trying to show her up. Yeah. Or trying to, like, get with her, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Todd Pettigrew was probably like, she ain't gonna get with me. Like, <laughs> all these guys <laughs> around here. You know what I mean? Like, I think they were just legitimately just friends. Mm-hmm. I think. And like you said, nobody was gonna try to, he wasn't gonna try to, like, fuck with her or anything like that she, she was a decisive person in that locker room anyway you, you, like i never hear anybody just be like oh i kind of like tammy you know like mm-hmm. everybody either like people either really liked her or fucking hated her guts you know what yeah. i mean yeah he's like a female Shawn michaels if that makes sense mm-hmm. but then um Neither one of them, neither one of their keys, nobody's keys work. They're all, they're all, they're all broke. None of, or none of them match. And then they bring out some lawyer guy that shows um, the actual key. And I think it was, I think it was seven. No, it was three. Three. All right. So it was three was the key. That that's how you know I watched. Yeah. <laughs> um, I watched it a, a minute ago, so I wasn't sure the number. I should have wrote it down, but so thank you. Um, and Mark, since you did watch, I'm not lying about Sonny's attire, correct? Hell no. Yeah, it was fantastic. Um, that kid probably still talks about it. Yeah. I think just incredible number two is probably incarcerated. But yeah, I bet that kid still talks about the time he got to, got to get up there with Sonny. Before um, she did those other videos. Yeah. <laughs> and then killed a guy. Every time somebody kills somebody, they take him out of the Hall of Fame and not her. I don't know what that's about. But anyway, um, the next match we get is um, for the, Euro- the European Championship. It's uh, British Bulldog versus Ken Shamrock. And um, if Ken Shamrock... Um, um, ends up beating Bulldog. Um, Bulldog says he'll eat dog food. So that's the that's the stipulation of this match. Um, Ken Shamrock ends up jumping the match early and gets control. Um, uh, Bulldog ends up. It's just a back and forth match. Um, they um, they end up on the floor. And as the referee doesn't see it, and um, Bulldog ends up, well, he smears dog, like he, he throws dog food basically at, at Ken Shamrock. It gets dog food on him. Shem, Shem, Shamrock? Shamrock gets mad and ends up uh, uh, bashing Bulldog with the can, and the referee disqualifies him. And then um, Shamrock ends up. Um, basically getting a bulldog in a chokehold and uh, chokes him out. And um, I don't know how Davy did it, but Davy turned his, like his entire head blue. Like <laughs> unless, unless he told Ken to really, really like, you know, really choke me. Davy did a, Davy did a hell of a job here. Like I said, I don't know if that's just some talent that he had. Like, yeah, everybody has that weird thing they can do or whatever, but <laughs> It like really Blair when he woos is that vein in his forehead that pops out. Yeah. 
Brock, Brock, Brock has the ability to turn his head blue too. So yeah, I don't know if that's a thing that like certain guys can just like, I don't know if they can just restrict blood flow to their dome or put more blood into their dome or what, or, or hold their breath. Yeah. <laughs> that, that might be it. Like it might be a cardiovascular thing. I don't know, but um, uh, Shamrock chokes him out and won't break the hold. And then officials finally end up um, freeing Bulldog from the choke. And then um, Shamrock snaps, does the get out of my way thing, and ends up um, suplexing everybody, including including Pat Patterson. So Patterson took a bump for, for Mr. Shamrock here, and um, it ends with all the bodies laying around and Ken Shamrock just just losing his shit, and fans always enjoyed it. So. Nothing really bad here, in my opinion. I mean, it was the whole world's most dangerous man gimmick. So, I mean, they had to go with something like that. Yeah. And said it before, and I'll say it again. He was he was going to be the guy. And then Steve happened. If yeah. Steve wouldn't have happened. Shamrock would have wound up being WWF champion, I think. I don't know if it would have been a success or not. But I think, I think Steve just... Outshined him. Just outshined him. Like there was no way Shamrock was going to be able to compete with with Steve Austin as being the top guy. So, like he kind of got it. He kind of got it. He kind of got it in the mouth and in the butt because (laughs) he. Okay, so he was going to be the guy as the baby face, and then Steve Austin happened. So then you could see. All right. All right. Michaels is going to be on his way out. Blah blah blah. All right, maybe Shamrock can be the top heel, and then the fucking rock happened. So, like Ken Shamrock <laughs> was the true. Ken Shamrock was victimized by the two biggest stars of their era in wrestling coming around at the same time. Yeah, he's like, yeah, I never thought of it that way either. Like, I always yeah. just saw the Steve Austin thing. I never thought about the Rock. It's like Ben Affleck and in, in, in Clerks too, when he's like, "When's it gonna be? When's gonna be? Oh no, Jane Silent Bob Strike Back. When's gonna be my time, Lord?" <laughs> Or when Jay's like, the whole world's against this, bro. And they're standing on top of that, that fucking waterfall thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, if, if you look at it, though, essentially <clears throat> what they were building Shamrock to be, Austin wound up being, minus the MMA background, the ruffian, mm-hmm. uh, just legitimate badass. And so. Yeah. And also, the, I just thought of this too. I don't know if it helped him that Brett left either because Brett was a big mm-hmm. Shamrock guy. Like he even said that. He's like, I'll have me drop it to Ken. He's like, I'll put Ken over. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, all of it was stupid and silly, and everybody was juvenile in that situation. We'll talk about it obviously coming up. But um, and history repeats itself in 2023. <laughs> but yes. Like, this whole this whole CM Punk and we're not gonna talk about it, but I'm just saying this whole CM Punk AEW shit. It's the same fucking bullshit, you know. Yeah, everybody's wrong. Just everybody's money wrong. Everybody's wrong. And the one that's the most in the wrong is Tony Khan because if you're the boss, you just tell the motherfuckers come to work, come to work and do what I say, or I'll hold you in breach of contract. That's what Vince McMahon would do. That's what Vince McMahon did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
come to work. And then if you don't want to do, I'll just fucking screw you on pay-per-view. Fuck it. But yeah, I don't know. It's 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 really Tony Khan's fault. But anyway, I don't we're not here to talk about today. I'm sorry. Yes. Um well it's okay that you brought it up. Um so then we get uh Todd Pettengill once again. He's interviewing Shawn Michaels. Um and Shawn Michaels is talking about being the ref and says that he's gonna he's gonna call it right down the middle and he'll have his eye on everything and, and nothing will get by me. And then he does something that's like subtly funny. He goes to put his arm. He's like, nothing will get by me. And he goes to put his arm on, Todd, on Todd's shoulder and he slips out. Like, oh. <laughs> like, it is actually pretty funny. Um, he's a douchebag, but he's funny. He's so, funny as fuck. It's like I've always said, you can be a douchebag or an asshole, but you better be funny. Like you can't be an unfunny asshole. Right? <laughs> and he's just a loser. But anyway, um, and Sean's still playing, kind of still playing cute. Sean, right now, he's not, he's not really a heel. Um, he's still kind of babyface. Sean for a minute. Um, and then the next match we get um, is the one that I know Nate has been clamoring to talk about because it's like his, what, your third or fourth favorite thing about '97. Um, it's the Los Bariquas versus the DOA. <laughs> And an eight-man tag team match. I feel like whenever I hear about this, I feel like that stormtrooper in Star Wars. I'm like, move along, move along. <laughs> These are this is not the match you're looking for. Move along, move along. <laughs> I did, I did notice something though at, on the uh, pre-match video. Eddie Guerrero kind of took the whole showing up in the lowrider thing from Los Bariquas. <laughs> Just saying. Yeah. They did <laughs> it first. Like you said, everybody involved other than Ahmed and the whole gang faction thing, they're all talented guys. Uh, other, it, it, there's, other than Ahmed and Harris Brothers, everybody's good that's what i'm saying like i like everybody almost other than those three individually it's just this whole thing it's just it's it's first of all it's boring second of all it's 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 too vince russo i guess i don't know it's yeah it just is not appealing to me whatsoever yeah but when i when i was watching this i was literally thinking like the guy that wrote Sons of Anarchy obviously watched this and he was like, I know how to make this work. <laughs> um, and Nate, you're right. It, it, this is a. There's little things that uh, since I've been watching, like 97, that you can see where, um, like, obviously Vince Russo doesn't have like complete like writing control yet but there's little things that you can see like oh this is this is Vince Rousseau yes because you know what I mean if it's yes because Vince Rousseau and he could he could say it he could not say it but I can tell you through his writing especially if I took his writing from WCW you can see it in little things in the WWF but if I take if I were to take his writing from WCW if you're looking for if you're looking for Vince Rousseau stuff folks look for anything that's racist Done with bad taste. <laughs> look for anything that's racist. Look for anything that's misogynist. 
because he doesn't respect people of other colors and he doesn't respect women. And he can say, bro, I may book a the WCW champion. I respect people. of." No, you don't. You made two Mexicans have a match where it was a bottle of tequila on a pole. That's not funny. That's racist. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, there's, there's yeah. a way to do that kind of humor. Watch Blazing Saddles. There's a way to do that kind of humor. But, um, or at, at anything where it's just overly, and, and I'm not, I'm not absolving Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon is a misogynist too, as far as women goes. That's no doubt. Him and, I'm sure him and Rousseau totally like got together on that one. You know, ah, bitches. <laughs> but, <laughs> look at that table. She's stacked like a fucking. <laughs> library <laughs> but yeah you see what i mean you see, you, so you get what i'm saying like you oh, can yeah. tell you can tell vince rousseau's shit right um so during this match the nation of domination they come down for a closer look they come out through the crowd um um the then a brawl starts again, and the end, the Nation of Domination get involved, and uh, Johnson um, ends up giving Chains the, the, the Pearl River plunge on the floor. Um, the Los Periquas end up – I didn't write down the actual finish, so Mark, if you remember, you can say. But uh, the Los Periquas end up winning the match. And then, um, surprise, surprise, they all start brawling again. So that was what that was. A continuation to this bullshit. <laughs> what what did they call it? Faction action. Isn't that what they made Jim Ross say a couple times? Yeah. That, faction action. They, the, the faction action before they settled before they settled on calling it gang wars. At first it was faction action. Yeah, it was all bad. Um so unless we got anything else on the faction action. Uh, uh, we can we can move along. <laughs> <laughs> Tough acting for action action. <laughs> um, I just pictured uh, what was his fucking name? John Madden. John Madden. Yeah. Tough uh, act. Tough act. Tough acting faction action. <laughs> and then we get um. The reason that this show is um, considered memorable, I mean, it's a good show, so don't get me wrong on that. But this is the this is the thing, and we'll probably get lost a little bit on it, which is fine. Yeah, because I mean, uh, we just rode past Slappy and the Stinkers, so <laughs> <laughs> so we get um, Stone Cold Steve Austin versus Owen Hart for the Intercontinental Championship. It's what I consider probably the best feud going into this show. Um, it's for the Inter Like I said, it's for the Intercontinental Championship. Owen comes out, and then Steve comes out. Owen's the defending champion. Um, Austin ends up flipping off Owen at the beginning of it, and Owen attacks Steve. Um, it breaks down to a back and forth match. Um, uh, Steve still Steve. Uh, how do I say it? Steve can still be sounding Steve at this point in the ring, if that makes sense. Like he's still Steve was never bad, but after this, obviously he wasn't like you know 
what he was before that. But um, like Steve went from being a worker to being a brawler. If that makes sense. But um, it breaks down. They have a back and forth match. There's chain wrestling and some impactful moves. Um, they brought around the ring. Um, and then Austin ends up, or Owen ends up reversing a side slam. He floats over um, and goes to hit Steve with what I think was, if I look at it, I think. Steve was anticipating a tombstone, but Owen plops down on his ass and just spikes Steve right into the right in the mat. Just plops him right down into the mat. Um, and Austin is obviously legitimately hurt. Owen realizes it. Um, he they spoke. made it obvious though. Like they made it obvious that he was hurt as soon as he hit that pile driver. You see the whole the whole demeanor changes on everything. Oh yeah, um, uh, the the like the announcers knew it. Yeah, right. I mean? like it, the fans didn't know. You know what I mean? Like they didn't know what the fuck was going on. But anybody that is anybody in wrestling knew that Steve was fucked at this point. Um, Owen. Um, He stalls, um, trying to see. I, I don't know if they knew that he was as fucked up as he was. I think they just thought he might have got the wind knocked out of him or whatever. Because Owen stalls for a bit. Um, and then he's like, now he's going to kiss my ass and all this stuff, you know. And then um, Steve ends up at least getting enough energy to do what is probably one of the worst roll-ups in the history of professional wrestling. But God bless him for being able to have the energy to do it and um pins Owen with a with a weak roll up one two three and Steve is your new intercontinental champion. Yeah and Steve at this point didn't even know how bad off he was because he he said before he just he thought he had just had a stinger and I mean he walked he walked out of the out of the you know I mean he had the refs with him but he walked through the back by himself you know he was able to walk and everything so he wasn't he wasn't um paralyzed but yeah, lo and behold, it took it took its toll. Um, like you said, I mean, the finish looks weak, but what the fuck were they going to do? You yeah, because as soon as the pile driver happened and Owen stands up, you know, Austin was like, we got to take it home, kid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, like I said, there was going to be some stuff to talk about on it, and it's the fact that um, – Austin never said Owen was a bad guy, but he's the only guy that's ever really had anything negative to say about Owen. And I've always found fault with Austin in this situation. Like, because you run that risk, no matter well, who you're in the ring. Well, with and th- things happen. I mean, he was he was like he was like I don't know. He was pissed for the, first of all, people get hurt. Secondly, I don't know how many people know this, but Steve Austin, the same thing happened with Steve Austin and Masachono in Japan in 92. Steve Austin fucked up a pile driver and broke Masachono's neck. Um, did he call Masachono every day after that to say, I'm sorry? You know what I mean? Like, I just, I never understood Austin. I think, 
harboring I, such resentment for so I, long. I think it was how do I? And I'm not even saying he's right, okay? But I think it's because Steve said he never called him. Like he, he, Owen never acknowledged that he heard him, like personally. I don't believe that. I don't believe that sometime, some point in the locker room or something, I just can't believe Owen Hart never said, oh, brother, I'm glad you're okay, or are you okay, or I'm sorry. Like, I just, I don't believe it. I don't, and I'm not trying to say Steve Austin's a liar. You know what I'm saying? I'm not trying to cast, cast shade. I just never understood his, his just unrelenting resentment for that. I don't know. Uh, but, just, but I think it's more of the fact that he was on, such of that upward spiral or or for for lack of a better analogy he was the conductor on a rock and roll pain train and then mm-hmm. he uh jumped uh, jumped ahead to check the tracks and got hit by it right <laughs> yeah and i mean i mean it is it's di- i mean different personalities but, you know but I like i said I, I i'm not gonna say yay or nay obviously because i wasn't there right you know but, um just Everything I've ever heard, like like I said, Steve never said that Owen was like he never said Owen's a piece of shit or Owen was a terrible person or this that or the other thing. He just said that, and he never I don't want to say like he never blamed Owen for him getting hurt either. You know what I mean? Like he chalked it up to shit happens, it happens. Mm-hmm. But he just felt that Owen never acknowledged him enough about it or whatever. But. It's it is what it is. It's it, it's it's um I don't wanna say it. I don't like the guy as much as I like Steve, but I feel the same way about Goldberg with Brett. Right. You know? And and, and Goldberg like I I thought Goldberg had like one of the best reactions ever. Because like he he went out of his way to apologize to Brett publicly mm-hmm. and apparently personally and this, that, and the other thing. And then somebody asked him in like, I don't know, 2016, 2018 or something about him hurting Brett. And you know what he said? How many fucking times do I have to apologize? <laughs> yeah. I, it's like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's like, I'm done. Like I, I, I'm not apologizing for kicking the shit out of him ever again. Like, no, <laughs> Like, well, I, I mean, up, up, until, <laughs> up until this that point in this match, the match was great. Two of two of the best in ring performers of their times doing doing the damn thing and mm-hmm. telling the story just the way it was supposed to be told. And yeah, it, it sucks that the ending had to take a shit turn because because it happened. But I mean, at the same time, kudos to both of them for pulling it off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also Steve should thank him. Because Steve breaking his like getting his neck fucked up was like one of the best things that ever happened to him. Yeah, because then, like, then he didn't have to work harder. <laughs> no, and, and he got to be more of his character. You know what I right. mean? Mm. And it's it's crazy to me because he got hurt a lot. Like people don't mention that. Like I know we make fun about Ahmed, you know, being injury prone and this that. Steve was hurt a lot during his WWF career. Yeah. He's he's. But, He's like I always, I always, I always say that about like it, it, the equivalent. I've thought it before. There's, there's a parallel between the two of them, the two, two guys that had like meteoric, awesome 
memorable main event careers were Austin and Batista, and they most both of them might have actually spent more time like on the, on the on injured on the injured reserve list during their run than they did in the ring. Yeah, but they would get so fucked up that he couldn't be on TV. Yeah. You know, that's because he was gigantic. Um, but what I was going to say was, a lot of times Steve had the more memorable, better things like in his career when he was fucking hurt. Mm-hmm. Like he busts his neck here, and he goes all the way um, to pretty much um, his feud with Rock kicking off, where he's very he's working very limited. Like you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like if it's matches or quick fucking matches because he's fucked, and, and like he does his best work injured. If that like when him and Kurt were both hurt, but they were still on TV. That's that shit was fantastic. Yeah. But so I, I guess I shouldn't say, oh, thank you for hurting me. But it's like it's not like your career missed a beat. If 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 he would not have gotten hurt. And this is just a hypothetical, but if he would have never gotten hurt like this, would he ever have established that that in ring Con, that in-ring con, con, confrontational relationship with Vince McMahon that led to him stunning Vince McMahon in Madison Square Garden because the whole beginning of their confrontational relationship was Vince being like, we we don't want you to wrestle hurt. We care about you, Steve. You know, that whole thing. Yeah, yeah that's what I'm saying. And <laughs> have been... Yeah, he could have just been a flash in the pan. Dan, his, creative wouldn't, his creative wouldn't have been as creative because they would have just been a basic storyline. Right. Like, win-loss, win-loss. This guy fucks you out of the match. This guy fucks you, so you fuck him out of the match. They had to be, like, super creative with Steve because they were, like, they were smart enough to know this guy's a fucking, he's, he's got a rocket strapped to him, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And he's hurt, but we can't just take him off TV because you take him off TV for three months. Everything he's got going for him goes away, so... Let's have him stun Sergeant Slaughter. Let's have him stun Jerry Lawler. Let's have him stun this guy and and show up here and do this and do like it opened up creative for him so much. So, I, I, I like I said, I wouldn't be happy that somebody hurt me either. But I'm like my career didn't miss a beat. So, what do I give a fuck? You know what I mean? It's it's. I don't agree with Steve bitching about it as much. I will say that if if Owen never said anything to him, that was shitty. But at the end of the day, like, it is what it is, man. Right. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, so unless you guys got anything else on that, we will move into the main event, which um, there is a lot of notes for. This match is long as shit. It's long <laughs> as shit, but, but it, it never misses a beat. and A lot of stuff happens in it, so. And I'll say, I'll say before, just before you get before you get started, and we'll get into it. Um, who this is their still weeds at nine o'clock? What? So who waxes their weeds at nine o'clock? <laughs> An asshole. <laughs> On Sunday, I'm gonna shoot your propane tank. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, before before you dig into that match, I want to say just. Just for the record, and I think I've gone on record on probably some other show that we've done about this, but 
this this match still is has my favorite. It's it's not my favorite match of all time, but it has my favorite main event finish of all time. It's the up finish there. Of, the finish of this match is my favorite finish. Yeah, because it's kind of like a whoopsie daisy. <laughs> <laughs> so, like I said, um, before that run in, um, we're, mo- we're moving into our main event. It's a long match, but it's a good match. Um, it's Bret Hart versus The Undertaker with Shawn Michaels as a special guest referee for the WWF Championship. Um, before the match starts, Bret Hart demands the playing of the Canadian National Anthem um, and dedicates um, the match to his fellow Canadian people. And um, a lot of times people talk about um, wrestling fans being like, I don't want to say it, like stupid or what, you know what I mean? Like they kind of like make us out like rednecks or whatever. I learned like national anthems and geography and all kinds of shit from professional wrestling. <laughs> like I know the lyrics of "Oh Canada" because of the WWF. Yeah. <laughs> like I know where Uganda is. I know where Uganda is and Hell Sicky Finland and all that shit. It's like I learned this from watching wrestling, but anyway. <laughs> Uh, I gotta turn my light on real quick. Now I'll get those big fucking bugs pissing me off. But anyway, um, so Brett asked for that, and then, um, then we get HBK's entrance, um, and at least he's wearing pants for this one. He's not wearing his, uh, his, his, um, his catch me, fuck me. <laughs> We're not going to get to talk about it on this show because it happens in, I think, 98. But I love when Triple H is like, I got to ask you, Sean, because Sean's going to main event or he's going to referee that Iron Man match. He's like, You're really going to wear those? <laughs> <laughs> Look like you're smuggling plums. Like you're smuggling plums. <laughs> a good moment. But um and then we get the Undertaker and he comes out and all the lights go out obviously for the Undertaker's entrance and he gets up on the on the steps and he puts his hands up and there's not any there's not any actual like like um, sparks or anything, but they just set off this big ass sonic boom. <laughs> when does it, and Bret Hart ought, like goes fuck. <laughs> I think that's when I think Jim Ross goes damn near blew my hat off. And damn near blew my hat off. Fuck. <laughs> it's good shit. Second time Bret in his career sit like not audibly, but was seen saying fuck on television. He said fuck when, when DiBiase beat him at that Survivor Series, too, if I remember right. I think he says mm-hmm. fuck. But, um, and then Brett attacks Taker from behind, um, with the belt. He'd like take, like, the ref's gonna show off the belt. And Brett grabs the belt from the ref and hits Taker with it before the ref can ring the bell. Um, 
Taker ends up getting advantage. They go outside. Um, um, Taker ends up slamming Brett into the rail. They brawl some more on the outside. Um, and Brett slows it down. Um, and is working over the Undertaker's legs, obviously, because psychology-wise, he would do that because he's going to have the sharpshooter um, in his back pocket. And then uh, Paul Bear ends up waddling down to the ring, and he's taunting the Undertaker. And like I said, guys, as I go through this, if you want to interject anything, that's fine. Um, and if you don't, that's fine, too. Um, but Bear's... Uh, taunting the Undertaker. Taker ends up jumping out of the ring and um, um, hitting Paul Bearer. Paul Bearer takes uh, as big of a bump as a man of his size can. Um, I also love the fact that Paul Bearer was actually like... William Moody was actually a, like... I was like, I can't do this. But anyway... Um, Taker being distracted by um, Bear allows Bret Hart to attack Taker from behind. Um, and then Pillman and Owen come out to watch the match. Um, and um, Taker ends up getting into it with Owen and Pillman. Um, um, so he gets into it with them and that that breaks down and HBK ends up forcing um, them to the back when Undertaker ends up getting a choke slam on Brett, but um, and it looks like that could have been the finish, but since HBK was fucking around with Pillman and Owen, he missed the pin. Um, then Taker gets a little pushy over HBK with this, and um, um then Bret Hart ends up in the match breaks down a little bit more. Um, Hart ends up getting the sharpshooter on the undertaker. Um, but um, undertaker breaks it. And I think um, I think this is the first time I've ever seen anybody like break the sharpshooter without like spinning around or whatever. Like, he just muscled him out of it and like mm -hmm. basically blows Brett across the mat and Brett can't believe it. Um, and then it goes on some more and Hart ends up getting the figure four on around the post, which Brett invented that as far as I know. He did. And it was always a cool visual. Um, and then Taker powers out of that and um, Hart ends up um, – getting ran into HBK, HBK, um, heart nails, um, take her with a chair and HBK ends up recovering. Um, but heart only gets a two count off of the chair shot. And then, um, um, HBK notices the chair and then we roll into, um, what Nate has described as his favorite finish of all time. So I'm curious to see how Nate can um, describe it without actually watching it a couple of minutes ago, like me and Mark did. <clears throat> I have a, so well, it's okay. 
I, I don't want to. That's but no. I mean, essentially, Sean has the chair in his hand. He's confronting Brett about um, using the chair. To which Brett gets pissed off and pretty much hocks a loogie in Sean's face. And Sean Michaels' character, and I'm looking at this as the characters, and I, I, the re, and this is the reason why it's my favorite finish because it's all circumstance. It's all the characters, everybody playing their role. In the only way that you could have finished this match where nobody came out looking badly. Because Brett's made his promise. If I don't win the title, I'm going to leave America. But the Undertaker's, or I'm never going to wrestle in the United States again. But the Undertaker's the fucking Undertaker. And Shawn Michaels is in a situation because he hates Bret Hart. But he doesn't want to piss off the Undertaker. And et cetera, et cetera. So Shawn has to be put to a point where his emotion overcomes his logic. Arguing with Brett, Brett gives him a sign of disrespect. And in a moment of passion, I guess you'd say, Shawn Michaels cracks Brett Hart with the chair. Brett, and now with a caveat that we didn't bring up when describing this, is Shawn said if he didn't call the match right down the middle, he would never wrestle in the United States yeah. again. So Which there's his... to crack Brett with the chair. So there's... Yes. There's his pickle. He tries to crack Brett with the chair, accidentally hits The Undertaker. So Brett goes to pin The Undertaker, and in one of the coolest moments in wrestling history, Shawn Michaels has to make the three for Bret Hart on The Undertaker while Bret Hart is smugly looking him in the eye, and he's looking Bret in the eye, and it is one of the coolest fucking things that's ever been on wrestling TV. Because he goes, one, two, fuck, and rolls out of that ring, and he's like, god damn it, like I did my job, but I didn't want it. It's just so fucking cool. It is such a cool moment. It is. And like you said, oh, um, the DOA um, Bariquas match or whatever. It's got Rousseau written on it. This is this is Pat Patterson. Mm -hmm. This is pretty much this is pretty this is pretty much Vince coming to him with we've set up a match where it's impossible for you to make a finish, buddy. (laughs) And Pat was like, hold my beer. I'm gonna fucking show you a thing or two, <laughs> fucking. But yeah, it's such good TV. It's such good wrestling television. And they did it my way. <laughs> <laughs> then the crowd went banana. Freshly went banana, and they were hanging from the rafter. <laughs> they went, banana. but it's exactly like Nate described it. Um, Sean got spit on uh, it's so funny too with like how how childish brett and sean were because sean was like said that brett was like the the thing was like brett was supposed to like spit on me or whatever but sean's like he was supposed to he was supposed to like spit at me but he he directly spit into my mouth <laughs> That really pissed me off. And Brett was like, I was fucking working for like 25 minutes. I didn't have any spit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I didn't have any spit. I just had phlegm. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no, he did it on purpose. He spit in my mouth. Marijuana is not the only thing that can give you cotton mouth, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yeah. Also, the Undertaker can. But it's just like, <laughs> they were so childish for so long. It's fucking ridiculous. 
I love Jim Cornette's take on it. Same. It's like you're not losing your job and you're getting the belt and you're going away and you're going to make $3 million a year. It's like, who? <laughs> but anyway. I'm, uh, supposed to feel, I'm supposed to feel sorry for you guys? Yeah, like, <laughs> but anyway, um, like Nate said, I level one, two, three. Sean staring at Brett. Brett staring at Sean. And um, Bret Hart is your new WWF champion. And it's not going to be long, but it is um, capping off, um, I think, Bret's best run in wrestling. Like, he's not long for the world here in the World Wrestling Federation anyway. But it's one of the best. It's one of the best runs a wrestler ever had. And Mm -hmm. it's just kicking in. It's going to kick up to the next level now. Because Brett's our champ. Um, so everybody kept their word. Um, the only person that didn't keep their word out of this entire thing was Jim Neidhart. Uh, Neidhart. He didn't shave his he didn't shave his beard. He said if anybody lost, he'd shave his goatee. You know, and lost, but he didn't shave his goatee. So Neidhart is a fucking liar. <laughs> um, but my final notes on it, and I'll let you guys say what you got to say, is I thought it was a four-star pay-per-view with only really one dud, and that was the Bariqua's uh, um, um, BOA match, because I don't give a shit about any of that. You know, I, w- I wouldn't say LOD and the Godwins is a dud, because they're both, they're all four talented guys. I just, I'm not going to knock their match. Um and then in my notes, um, I didn't say it was my favorite finish, but I said this is one of my favorite finishes to a main event in wrestling history. I just, top to bottom, I thought this was a really good show. I do too. I really enjoy this pay-per-view. It's one that I can just pop it on. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like Even if I'm not wa- like watching things chronologically or taking notes for our shows or anything, like I got nothing going on. It's a fucking Tuesday and I'm off. I'll watch SummerSlam 97 house, you know. I, mm-hmm. I, I enjoy it. So Yeah, I give it an A minus and it would have got an A plus if it wasn't for the Bariquas and the DOA. There's a recurring theme here. <laughs> so with that being said, um next week for the um seven or eight of you that are actually listening to the show all the time. Um, we're going to be rolling into obviously the Monday um, after this pay-per-view, which would be August 9th, 1997 Raw is war and nitro. Um, so if you guys want to watch the shows before we talk about the shows, that's what you want to watch. And um, unless you guys have anything else. Nope. I'm good. We'll go ahead and uh, you said eight, you said eight, nine, ninety-seven. Yep. All right, I got you. I also told you we'd be done within like an hour and a half, and I beat that even with the Bushman over there, (laughs) the Bushwhacker, (laughs) Luke. (laughs) He's the one that's still alive, right? Yep. All right. Oh.